0: Source for Big Gentle, it's off tackle. Empire, welcome to the blocking charge guest and off tackle. Empire production. Uh, this is Steve Dronic, the regular. Jesse, and I'm also with MN Wildcat, and since I haven't been watching all that much basketball, we're eventually going to get to uh, the, the beginning of the Big Ten schedule here, where, uh, you know, where my two hooplets here will discuss things in very technical terms, and I'll just sit out here and kind of, you know, snipe in something, some sort of unrelated derailment every, every now and then. Uh, oh, yeah, this is a Sabermetrics-based uh, podcast, for the, sure, how is everybody so. doing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I thought th- I thought the role that thump was doing here was the role I was gonna play so boy we really have made a hash out of this oh boy well, as you said before we
2: got started here you had to finish up the prep on your hot dish and I was confused because you said you were putting the hot dish in the oven and I you know, queried of
1: you if the dish is already hot why does it need to go in the oven I'm not going to dignify that with a response
2: <laughs> speaking of not dignifying the response we will get into the non-conference season in very quick fashion of course it's been a while since we last recorded you know good luck finding a little bit of time to pry loose from other contributors over the holidays is all i will say to that but it was an eventful off-season or non-conference season in that first of all the conference issued two severe beatings to the duke blue devils the second of which was so bad that it made coach k pause and speculatively wonder why are we doing this (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was fantastic, because it was a dramatic reversal from his his earlier thoughts on that. But I, I guess all it took was, I mean, that was one of the most satisfying games I've ever seen. But I guess all it took was just being completely outclassed in, in his own gym for him to suddenly realize, you know, maybe it's in everybody's best interest if the thing that's in my best interest happens.
2: Right. And one, so... Interestingly enough, though, a couple I think it's been maybe a week, week and a half since this happened. The Duke women's team opted to just to to withdraw from the season. And I believe they were off to a considerably better start than the men's team was. Uh, So that's kind of an interesting dichotomy there. Again, why are these things not alike? Well, all the money. Um, Lots of interesting data points in the non-conference. But, yeah, the
1: the Duke thing was interesting. Big ups to Carol Austin, the head coach of. Go ahead, Steve.
0: And this is being recorded after we've recorded, but not yet released the uh, football podcast for this week. But since we recorded that, there's been questions about Ohio State's fitness to play in the national title game due to COVID.
1: And I'll give it to Carol Lawson, the head coach of Duke, uh, the Duke women's program. For, I mean, you can be kind of critical of you know when the talking head becomes uh, becomes a head coach. You know, do they do they? Walk the walk, really, and and I think she has. It's it's a commendable thing to to pull the team out for the season. I wish that more people would be doing that, particularly on the men's side. But um, you know, it's apparently as Chicago State goes, so not goes the uh, the rest of the NCAA yet.
2: Yeah, that'll be an interesting. I, I would assume that whatever happens with the NCAA tournament field, whether they decide to pare it down. They're not going to, by the way, because that means fewer games to sell to the broadcast networks. But, I mean, you can forget about tournaments like the NIT, the CBI, the CIT. Those things are not going to happen. I I can't imagine there would be enough teams willing to partake in that kind of thing. Because the payouts for
1: that, I think, are minimal. If Indianapolis is hosting the entire NCAA tournament, what would be the best city in which to host the entire NIT? What is the most NIT city? Oh, gee, okay.
0: Terre Haute. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gary. No, it's Gary. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> Gotta be Gary. <laughs> Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. Okay. So. Um, <clears throat> do no, do, you, do you acquiesce to
2: my line of reasoning then, or do you have a better alternative?
0: <laughs> I don't suppose I do, but I mean, we're, in the, we're at a point where, you know, with, with football and then with, with basketball and you... You see teams that are pulling out for for health concerns because, of course, basketball is being played indoors, which is a totally different animal. Like at the point where anybody who was on the fence about whether or not this was an amateur league, uh, you really can't live in that world anymore.
2: No, and the well, the veil's been kind of rolled back or pierced for people closer to the sport like us for quite a while. Um, I remember, you know, Steve, you and I were having a text debate about this not too long ago in which you just said, well, I don't even understand how, how the NCAA can continue, but we were also kind of meshing the discussion with the separation between elite college football teams and the rest of us. And it's like, look, it, this illusion has not, the, the actual security of the illusion has not been important. Like they haven't been trying to fool people, for decades. They just need some kind of plausible cover in all these court cases, they're constantly involved with. That's what it's really about. Um, but okay, before we don't want to get bogged down in the weeds of that too far. Other interesting non-conference notes. So, Wisconsin, a preseason top five team, justifiably so considering how much they return, lost to Marquette early. Again, a Marquette that does not have market hard anymore, lost Ring before. Out A Hoya. Yeah. And it's a bizarre result because then. Their Big Ten ACC challenge game with Louisville was initially canceled. They rescheduled it, and Wisconsin absolutely pulverized the Cardinals, which I don't think anyone saw coming. I thought Wisconsin was the better team, but Louisville struggled to get to twenty points in the first half.
0: Jesus,
1: it it was an absolute beatdown, and it, I. This is a, a Wisconsin team that is. What was the stat? Somebody dug it up, and I think I heard it just the other day. So if I'm wrong, I very much apologize. That the average starting lineup of Wisconsin is older than the average starting lineup of the Chicago Bulls. Yes, they're like they're almost 23 years old on average. I believe it's it's a it's a scary deep, the exact kind of stupid Wisconsin team that you almost expect to see in the Elite Eight or the Final Four because they have. The inside presence they have, the outside shooting—they slow every game down to an unwatchable sixty-six to sixty-five, you know, slugfest. It, you know, I would debate you on that a little bit. They've
2: had a couple games that have gotten higher scoring. It's definitely not how they prefer to play, but they're capable of
1: pouring it in if you're going to play like days. Were you not listening to the part where Steve and I talked about that we are just going to be here to make quips without actually watching the game? Yeah, 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 fair enough. Uh, (laughs) I mean,
0: (laughs) I did watch part of a game, which was that same Louisville team that Wisconsin battered dropping Johnny Calipers and Kentucky to one and six.
2: Yeah, and they've rebounded and won a couple games since then. I believe they're now three and six, but yeah. (laughs) And it was so funny because, of course, this, this comes on pretty quick. Because of the modified NBA schedule, the draft was much later than this year. And even though Kentucky actually did not have any players taken in the lottery, they still had a couple of mid to late first rounders. And ESPN couldn't help themselves. Mid-draft, they go to an exclusive interview with Calipari in his mahogany office and basically just allow him to have a five-minute commercial for Kentucky basketball. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the rules are about impermissible benefits to a program at large, but it feels like the relationship between ESPN and Kentucky ought to be something the Wildcats declare in their taxes, at least.
0: Oh, I mean, they're well, see, that's bad because it involves John Calipari, whereas the USA basketball Mike Fifevke thing is OK, because that's Mike Fifevke. He's above reproach.
2: <laughs> and USA basketball is basically the troops. So, yeah, what you're doing. I don't know how long you've hated America. But it's it's a revelation to me, and we're going to have to reconsider the composition of this podcast. We can't, however, get out of the non-conference without discussing the no e- entertaining
0: no. God damn it, no! NFL that
2: Illinois played no. We talked about the Duke game. You don't get to have the highs without the lows. So, <laughs> absolutely, boat races, Duke out their own out of their own building, right? Was that in? Uh, was that in?
0: That was at Cameron and. At at no point after Illinois got out to an early like ten to two lead, did Duke ever close the gap under eight. It was yeah, fucking and amazing.
2: then you know Illinois then played a game with Baylor, certainly I think the second best team in the
0: country. The best is Gonzaga by a mile, but man, um, it sucks that we didn't get that Baylor Gonzaga game because that was a game that was scheduled that got canceled due to COVID. And yeah, Baylor like. I thought that Illinois played reasonably well, but Baylor just looked terrifying. I couldn't believe – we're a good passing team. I couldn't believe how inept their guards made us look. Um, They're just just so good at getting in those passing lanes, and they play such good defense, and they're so athletic.
1: And really deep, too. I mean – That was what – yeah, the, the depth that they had just just kept bringing in players. And it was like, eventually you thought there was going to be a drop-off. And just the harassment of Illinois that entire game was was astonishing.
0: So I didn't feel too bad about that one. That was just, that was an impressive thing to watch. And the one you did feel bad about was? Yeah, we lost to Mizzou again. Um, and I, I I don't believe we've ever defeated Jeremiah Tillman. No, we <clears> defeated <throat> Jeremiah Tillman the one year, but we've never defeated Mark Smith. In bragging rights,
2: um, um, remind, was that before or after when fired Lovey Smith? It was oh, right?
0: that was after.
2: It was after. Okay. Well, so at least by that point, you knew that. Okay, look, you've got a basketball coach who plainly does not give a shit about beating the zoo because there's no, there's been no excuse these last two years for losing to him. Illinois- this
0: one, you, and this was one where you really could. Free throws were a big thing because suddenly Illinois is terrible at them. We didn't have this problem last year, but it's become a season-long thing. Had we made like 70% free throws, we beat Missouri by a comfortable margin, but we shot like 40. But also just watching the game, you would have thought that Mizzou had much better athletes than Illinois, just because they seemed like they were just so – they seemed like they had a lot more energy. Yeah, they were
2: more energized to play the game. They were outrunning us in
0: transition, and it was just – You see that sometimes. It, it's Missouri. so horrible. That was a Missouri. very bad stretch. I'm glad I had the Duke win in there because otherwise it would have been Illinois puts plays the best first quarter football I've ever seen and then loses badly to Iowa anyway. Illinois loses to Duke <laughs> uh, while ranked in the top 10. Illinois doesn't care about beating Northwestern and then Illinois doesn't care about beating Missouri. It would have been like the worst <laughs> week that <laughs> you gone through as an Illinois Jesus. fan. It was still pretty bad. But the Duke win... Did a lot for it.
2: Yeah, uh, and I will say, you know, Missouri—they just lost to Mississippi State either yesterday or the day before. But be- at that point, they had climbed up to 13 in the rankings. So it's not like it, it was one outlier performance. Then they've just been mediocre. They've—they've they've been good this year, and a lot they of they have
0: a lot of talent, which Clownzo uh, always has,
2: right? Just- but this time, some of that talent—you mentioned Tillman, Mark Smith; those guys are seniors or at least upperclassmen so well i
0: mean talent mark smith uh, we're not talking about the same thing
2: <laughs> i guess but if he was that bad i don't think he would stick in your craw right this
0: quite this way um so, well, so he performs exactly as bad as he's always been whenever he plays against us <laughs> and they still goddamn win <laughs> maybe it is just to tease you guys that i don't know <laughs> his ass can't
2: dunk yeah well Iowa also sledgehammered Iowa State in their annual non-conference matchup by enough of a margin that it's not really worth dwelling on. Um, and then to put a cap on the non-con discussion, as we mentioned, a few games in the Big Ten ACC Challenge were lost due to COVID cancellations, including, including the one I was looking forward to selfishly, which was Michigan State-Virginia, a.k.a. Hauser Schlacht, because obviously <laughs> the Hoos are home to the other Hauser brother.
1: But that both traders, I'll mention as a Marquette, <laughs> uh, you know, also alum.
2: Well, I, you know, they didn't want to share the ball with Marcus Howard, so they both sat out of here.
1: <sighs>
2: <laughs> well, I'll have you know, however, that Joey Hauser had what has had one spectacular game against Wisconsin so far, and has otherwise kind of been a disappointment in a lot of ways. He's a very good defensive rebounder, but his scoring has been all over the place. Um. Uh, yeah. So across the rest of the challenge, you know, the Big Ten wins it for, you know, the first like decade of the challenge was just the Big Ten getting hammered every year. We started to turn the tables on that recently. But, man, it Wisconsin ultimately won that game, which made it, I think a 7-4 final result. It should have been like 10-1 to because in the challenge, Purdue had a 20-point lead over – Really kind of a middling Miami team. They managed to blow that. Indiana took Florida State to overtime, and they lost. That's more understandable. Florida State under Leonard Hamilton, kind of the southeastern version of Mizzou, really, and that they've always got a lot of talent. Whether they actually use it or not is up in the air, but individual players are good enough to beat you by themselves. And then, I'm sorry to say it, MNW, but your, your Wildcats had... God.
0: Hey, look. All three of us have some form of really shitty loss that we're going to have to try and power through explaining.
1: Just an epic bed shitting. It was fantastic. Love it, kid. Highly recommend. Not remembering you have two timeouts when you get trapped in the corner with forty yes. seconds left in the fucking ball. It's really, it's it's just stupendous. So he did the inverse, Chris Weber.
2: <laughs>
1: exactly <Yeah>. right.
2: <laughs> the reverse Weber. Yeah. And it's a difficult moment. He is still just a sophomore. You hope that he learns from that moment. I would think he wouldn't forget it. Um, Yeah. So anyway, those things all happened. We'll pivot now to focus a little more on the big 10 season and kind of some early season storylines. It, if we were to try to cover every single game, we'd be here until midnight and nobody would listen to a four hour weekly podcast. So I got a
1: hot dish in the oven get it going.
2: We're going to try to go through these quickly and hit some high notes. Now, I wrote some of these a little bit earlier, so maybe some of these storylines are outdated. But first story for me is Luca Garza, especially in the non-conference stretch, really running back his player of the year campaign with a little bit of a visible edge, like I should have won this last year. I mean, he had games where he's scoring 30 in the first half, and yeah, against bad opponents. But still getting whatever he wants has – you know, a complete complement of players around him now. Jack Nunji looks perfectly capable of giving him some rest, which is huge. Because, you know, last year they had Ryan Craner, but they played him and Garza together a lot of the time. They used Nunji more as a substitute for Garza, or at least they have in the games that I've watched, which, again, this is mostly from a couple weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, they had some games, especially their challenge matchup against North Carolina, where it's like, you know Garza's going to be good for 25 to 30 a
1: night one thinking, thing that I'll mention with him is that, it, and this is a very much, you know, kind of tooting our own horn, is that Northwestern broke his streak of, I think it was 25 consecutive games of scoring 20 points or more. And I mean, Garza looked human in that game. It was as soon as he would catch the ball in the post, Northwestern would have Pete Nance on him, who we might get to later. Um, but they would bring over, usually it was Robbie Barron really quickly, uh, Robbie Barron or Anthony Gaines to double him. And it was in part a, a not great shooting night out of the Hawks from deep, but I mean there there seems to be kind of a way forward with with defending Garza, and it's you know we saw some some issues with the defensive effort there. I mean Nance at one point blew by him and Garza almost fell over, which I would have enjoyed retweeting at every Iowa fan in existence. Um, he's national player of the year maybe with the, the the amount of the amount he's putting up in terms of points per game, but Boy, you watch him, and you almost just feel like this is a team that's just designed to get those eye-popping stat lines. And that's—I
0: was going to say just about the same thing because the because the offense runs through him to to such an extent that it's really it's really incredible. There's like there's other players on the team that can do things, but it's almost like uh, it's almost like a thing where like you know they're going to run Derrick Henry but you know there's only so much you can do to stop them it's kind of like that you know that they're going to go to guards or they're going to try and find a way to get him, get it to him any way that they can but it's really yeah, def- difficult def- to defensively take away and you have to commit your yeah. entire team to it or just leave Kofi there to Dikembe Matumbo his shit at the end of the game like last year well yeah i do want to talk about player of the year though stealth candidate uh I had to soon move quietly averaging like 24 and a half per game for Illinois. I think at this point, um, obviously having three losses, but he showed up in all those losses. So, I mean, when, when Illinois loses, he scores even more.
1: Yeah. I, th- I just don't think Io entered with enough. I mean, it, there's God knows, there's still enough time to turn around being big 10 player of the year or, you know, pushing for big 10 player of the year could help with that. I just, I feel like Luka came in with the headlines and it's going to take a lot more for Io to kind yeah. of overcome that. And I, but I, I agree with Io you, Steve, that he's putting up the numbers.
0: And I hope Io doesn't win that award because that would mean that he's scoring a whole ton of points, which would probably mean that not as many people on the team are.
2: Well, I don't know. I, to be honest, I think from a big picture perspective, if you've got a player who's going to win national player, you happily take that because you get, you have to figure Io's gone after this year no matter what right yeah I can't Go.
0: believe that he played this year
2: yeah you've already got his replacements on the roster with Miller and
0: Curbello. um in terms of your future front court replacing him and Frazier which Curbelo is one of the most fun players I've ever had the- yeah
2: ever and played. turning a guy into a national player of the year that's a recruiting cap like Izzo doesn't use it doesn't have that kind of ammunition although I misspeak but um that's, that's the thing that you want. I think if you want to convince somebody,
0: like <laughs> dominant
2: guard, come here and be player of the damn year and then go in the lottery. Like, I think you want that. I really do. Um, all right. We'll keep moving on here. This is the portion of the show where I will reluctantly with a bitter taste in my mouth, acknowledge that Michigan is playing fine basketball across the board. We wondered in the off season, how they would do with this big transfusion of transfer talent. It's not something that this program has done recently, um, Mike Smith has been an absolute revelation for them at the point guard. You know, makes them say Xavier who, and that he's both a capable scorer and a distributor. They got a huge sophomore jump out of Franz Wagner, who so oh, Franz right. Wagner, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As we were interrupted mid-recording, so Wagner's made this this freshman to sophomore jump that was not unreasonable to see coming, and that he's never going to be your primary ball handler, but they. They're able to play him at the two a little bit, which lets them get more of their rangier athletes on the floor at the same time. Guys like Livers and Johns playing the f- three and four instead of yeah, – and basically the, the main ab- advantage to that is that they can keep a true center on the floor and still get a little bigger if they want to on the wings. So between Dickinson and Austin Davis, they have the five covered. sometimes they're going to want to go a little smaller there, but they can keep one of those guys out there and still have capable playmaking all the way up to two um, outside of your traditional point guard. So,
0: so Andrew, when we were discussing Michigan in our preview one, uh, you know, most of the statements that we tried to make in general about Michigan always ended with that is depending on how good Hunter Dickinson is, how well he can (laughs) slide into that role. And would you say he's been about as good as you, as they could have hoped for?
2: In the limited sample sizes I've seen, he certainly has. But fortunately, one of us just got an up-close-and-personal look at him not too
1: long ago. And it was, I mean, in the Michigan ham blasting of Northwestern, it was incredible. At one point, he would catch the ball maybe 15, 16 feet out from the hoop. And Pete Nance literally just stood under the basket. And you could almost see him say to Dickinson, go ahead, you know, shoot a motherfucker. And, And Dickinson swished both of them. And if he develops that outside shot can, can move just a little bit away from the basket. It, it opened up so much for that offense. Um, he had a, a, just a big body inside, was tough on defense. It was a, an impressive, impressive performance from Michigan. They look like a complete team. Now to be fair, you know, and, and insert the Jeff here, if Northwestern is your best win to date, Still, we got to see some proof. It's you know, it was UCF was their best win prior to this. So Michigan is still building into the season. This will be an outdated take by tomorrow when Michigan Minnesota has been played. Um, but I mean, goddamn, if they don't look like they're a team that has, you know the ability with the gravitas of, I didn't realize it was a Columbia transfer in Mike Smith. It, it, it looks like a team that has the facets to make a deep run. Um, we'll see what happens when Dickinson faces some adversity, but uh, right now this looks like a team that really could make some noise in the big 10.
2: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned the fact that he's comfortable for range. I mean, Normally, if you have an instant impact freshman like that, you're concerned about losing him quickly and not having time to really enjoy the fruits of this product you found. Well, the fact that his range only goes out to kind of a mid to long range too means that you've got something you can convince him he needs to stay and work on. Tell him, look, we'll find ways to get you more looks from three next year. That way you get your the film that the NBA wants to see and maybe we make you a lottery pick. Um, so that's the pitch that Juwan Howard is able to make and Again, you know, we were skeptical when they made the hire, but there's still no reason to give any negative marks for anything Howard has done so far, much as I'm willing to admit that. yep. Uh, And so we also have a smooth transition here because another kind of stock up team for us, how about the 3-0 start from Northwestern? And granted, they've dropped a couple of the more recent games here, but still this is a team that is, especially in certain lineups has shooting from all five positions and into a couple spots down on the bench and they've gotten development from a couple of key guys now we mentioned earlier you had kind of the 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 face palm moments from boo booey in the pit loss but there's still been steps forward especially from pete nance who who is probably my favorite player on the team
1: nance has been a lot of fun and it's been really great to see him have that confidence to to kind of face up and shoot, to, to go down in the post and bang a little bit, especially in defense. I was with the Iowa game. The positive that I took away was how, how hard Nance played in the post and just kind of tried to take over that game offensively. It's been like we talked about in our preview. I was skeptical and I'm, I was wrong. It's I didn't think Pete Nance was capable of making that next step. And my God, he's been such a, such a revelation for part of this, um, but he's an, he, empowered in, in some sense by the fact that Northwestern rolls nine deep um, yeah. that you, they have nine guys playing over. I think it's 17 minutes a game right now and guys, you know, from Chase Adish all the way down to, uh, you know, kind of backup center. He's the backup now uh, who we affectionately refer to as Ry MCA. Um, Ryan Young, who out there with his short shorts and his old man game is is spelling Nance okay. in the post that you can get these guys who are turning in, you know, 10 points a game on a random night. Um, it, it's a team that still has its weaknesses that there's still struggles to create shots unless Chase Adige is absolutely losing his mind from, you know, deep and all over like he did against Michigan State. But it, it's been fun to see the depth and the way that this team that's kind of cobbled together in some ways has uh, has really come together and and allowed Chris Collins to push the tempo. And finally, after, you know, however many years, seven years now to finally put his vision on the program, it's really nice to see.
2: And the other thing that I've observed, and again, this has only been, I think I've seen two Northwestern games so far, but it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, that their bigs especially have gotten much better this year at staying out of foul trouble and staying on the court, in particular, Robbie Barron and Pete Nance. And that was a thing I remember seeing so many times last year where it's like, yeah, wait, man, these guys would be promising if they could play more than 15 minutes a night.
1: Yeah. It's been, we've seen a little bit of kind of this doubling in the post that they did against Luca Garza, you know, not putting Brian young and Pete Nance on an Island. I think there's been kind of a Frank admission of their limitations as defenders And Northwestern trying to do things in order to keep them out of that foul trouble and to keep them on the court. They've also just made steps as defenders, moving their feet better, getting better positioning. Um, Collins went to a three, two zone against Michigan. That was a disaster, but again, this is, their kind of, they're making these adjustments that are supposed to help keep those guys on the court, uh, keep those guys in the court longer.
2: And, you know, speaking, so we've covered a couple of them individually here, but one, I think kind of a season long theme last year in the conference was, man, there are, an incredible number of talented big men in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. and this year you had a few of them returning that were getting a lot of hype. Obviously, Garza, Kober, and those are two big ones. But you know, Trayvon Williams at Purdue is certainly a guy that I think people knew about. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana. But then there's kind of a question: you know, how are we going to see another crop of impressive big men come along? And oh yeah, we absolutely have. Um, Hunter Dickinson has been great for Michigan, as we discussed. Liam Robbins transferring into Minnesota, that's the section that I left out of this outline that I meant to put in, which is if you want to talk about the surprise of the year so far, that's got to be Minnesota. You know, losing Oturu last year from a team that already wasn't very good. You've got three transfers coming in. You never know when you have that many guys coming in from other college teams, if they're going to fit or not. But these pieces are far more of a mesh than they had last year. And it's taken a lot of the pressure off of Marcus Carr. Um, which also derailed me from my point, which is that aside from those guys, you also have Zach Eady at Purdue. And in a couple of games I've watched at Ohio State, even Zed Key at Ohio State, you know, he's he's not a guy that's going to score 20 points or take 15 shots, but he looks very much the part of a four-year pain in the ass, which is about the best compliment I think you can get from a fan of another team.
0: You know, Edie was a bit of a question mark for Purdue because although he had the size, it was wasn't – Clear yet. All right, we're recording after our second interruption of uh, of the evening. So let's talking about Zach Eady. As soon as you saw Zach edie in the Purdue uniform, you sure. knew. Yep this this is going to be oh, that yeah, guy. Yep. yep, he's ready. <laughs> the casual, yeah, the casual fans think, "Wow, hadn't that guy been there forever?" Yes, yes, and no. <laughs> that physical person hasn't always been there, but that guy has always been there.
2: And you would think eventually there's going to be an upward limit on exactly how big of a boy Purdue can find. But again, they, they haven't found that limit yet because he's the biggest of the lot. And yeah, for a decade now, we we've, we we've, there's been this chain of seven footers, seven plus footers coming through there.
0: And they're getting, they're slowly getting bigger.
2: Yeah. And some of them have been more game ready than others. I really, I'd have to to be honest, I don't remember A.J. Hammond's freshman season that well, but I don't think any of their guys to this point have made the kind of impact that Edie has right away. I get Depending on whether you want to include Travion Williams or, or Caleb Swanigan, but they feel like different types of players than the seven-footers they've had
1: in there. Absolutely. Edie just, I mean, just towers. Even over the center, I, I'm terrified to see when, like, Ryan Young or Pete Nance matches up against him because he just – he towers over every player. He's uh... – this commanding, like this maypole that everybody has to dance around the entire time while they're out there. It's, uh, he just, he changes the comp- the very complexion of the game by changing the height at, and the angle at which it's played.
2: Yeah. All the shooting angles are different from having mm-hmm. into the rim and he's not, a, he's not a terribly formidable shot blocker yet, but he's clearly got just the, pre- as you said, the presence is sort of the whole thing with him. So well, that's enough optimistic talk. We're going to pivot now to some teams that are perhaps not accomplishing what we imagined they would. And as I sit here in my. Hell
1: yeah. Fuck you, in
2: MSU full zip F what? Like drive. It's a fantastic thing that I got for Christmas. I'll have to send you
0: guys pictures of it, but it is exactly. Is it neon green over gray?
1: State!
0: Pat!
2: Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, honestly um after i don't even remember we had a disastrous loss in those this year you also had the win
1: against northwestern did you not
2: yes and that's the yeah. thing is i was like it, it, i was like please put another bullet in our heads while we're wearing these damn uniforms and maybe i'll never have to see them again and then we beat northwestern wearing them and i but
0: didn't it start with a loss to northwestern
2: um no, the first time they wore those uniforms, I believe, was in a non-conference game last year. Maybe Western Michigan. I, I don't remember. Um, but no, it was that was not the first time we wore those uniforms. I'm sorry to say, and we've been using these neon and black alternates going back like probably four or five years now. Yeah,
0: they were wearing them in that infamous game when um, a couple of years ago, when Dan Dockage said this won't end well for Illinois right before I named the nailed the game winner. And, yeah, right uh, before it ended well for Illinois. <laughs> two, yeah, two is and, and the thing is now every time he calls a game involving those two, he's gonna bring it up. Now, on one hand, you know, credit to him for at least acknowledging that he had a bad take. But at, first off, dude. Uh, that, he's was got a, a yeah, that was a lot more than he acknowledges. With... And second, don't need to hear it every time.
2: Well, I guess it's I think it's fair for him to bring it up as long as Io was still on Illinois' team. And But it was a Tim McHarver level take, man, where it's just like how you could not have been more wrong.
0: Uh, To to address my misery. Well, go ahead, because this is going to take a second. So go ahead. Uh, No, I I lost it. All right. All right.
2: So SU's question marks coming into the season are. Well, how do we replace the two generationally great players who just left? Cassius Winston, maybe the best point guard in school history, yeah, including Magic, and Xavier Tillman, the best defensive player in the league last year. The answer so far has been, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Everything they tried has not really worked. But although I'm including them in our stock down section here, they have in these last couple games shown some signs of improvement in the point guard situation at least because – Izzo has turned to AJ Hogarth. The clear offseason solution was going to be: look, Rocket Watts is going to need to be the lead point guard. He's going to need to be pretty good, and if he's not, this team isn't going to get near his ceiling. I guess Wouldn't it's the
0: uh, wasn't that the robot in the Iron Giant?
2: Rocket Watts? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, Hogarth was the kid, but it's it's, it's uh, Hogarth with a. Yeah, well, that
0: one's a kid. Hogarth, my god,
2: point guard. Yeah, Hogarth is the kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good, underrated movie, by the way.
0: Um, oh my god, I love that movie.
2: <laughs> but MSU has some signs of progress at the point since they've given the keys to AJ Hogarth. I mean, I can you can tell even in the post game interview last night after beating Rutgers by twenty three, uh, you can tell he's was kind of cr- 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 you know gritting his teeth as. He mentioned some a couple of the turnovers guard had, but I'm like, look, this is is those program is defined in a lot of ways by turnovers on offense. Like that's what they do. <laughs> so he, it's really because it's not like other point guards haven't also been turning it over. So they may have come up with a solution there. They also these last couple of games have gotten heroic performances out of Aaron Henry because you know last offseason he left for the draft and he stayed in the process for kind of a long time where it's like do you really think you're getting drafted this year if you go? Because that would have been a preposterous decision. And then this year, he's had his moments before this. He's certainly a good defensive player. But these last two games, he scored 27 and 20 on high efficiency while also playing incredible defense. So this is a guy who's going to go and get drafted in the first round. And they need that badly because they really don't have a solution down low yet. What Izzo has opted to do is give most of the minutes to Thomas Kithier, or at least to give him the most minutes, maybe not a majority of them. But he's a, honestly, he's a guy who my opinions on have kind of wandered the universe. When he was an underclassman on teams with a lot more talent up front, he was a role player. And when people in the Spartan fan base were criticized, i might be like, look, they don't really need a lot out of him. You know, if they get four, six points, a few rebounds and decent defense. That's fine. Now that he's in a bigger role, that's kind of not fine, but they're still sort of making it work. And I don't, again, I don't know the exact criteria by which Izzo determines his minutes, but I don't know what Marcus Bingham is doing wrong to only get two or three. I thought Julius marble looked really good earlier this year, but he's had a couple of non appearances. And then they've got the freshman Maddie Sissoko who is Terrifyingly physically gifted, but clearly still kind of learning the game a little bit. But again, he's only gonna learn the game if he plays, and they play him like two minutes a game. The front court rotation is just a little bit of a mess. Um, but they've gotten better. Their team defense is not quite as much of a problem as it was. Granted, that might be because Nebraska and Rutgers are not the most organized offensive outfits in the league. We'll see how they look against Purdue and then Iowa. But yeah, it, overall kind of a disappointing start to the conference season, especially after you beat Duke pretty handily in the non-con, but maybe some signs of are going to turn things around.
0: So are there any signs of that at Indiana, both in the short term and the long term of turning things around? Because as we, where we left them last year was that Archie Miller was bailed out by everything being canceled.
2: <laughs> yeah, that. Um, they did just pull off the win against Maryland, a pretty tight one. Um, they've gotten a little bit of a leap forward. There's, there's indications that the light might have come on for Ar- Armand Franklin, who's what, you know, we talked before the season, basically, like they've got this group of guards that's carrying over from last year. Are any of these guys going to become the guy, or are they really just going to step out of the way and let this early enrolling 17-year-old phenom take over? That has not happened. In the Indiana games I've seen, Christian Lander doesn't even appear to be playing. I don't know if he's hurt or what. Um, But they've gone with these older guards, and the last couple games, there seems to be some indication that Armand Franklin is turning the corner, which is good for them because as good as Trace Jackson Davis is, he's not good enough to win very many games by himself.
0: Yeah, they played a very sleepy game against a very sleepy Illinois, which was pretty contested until Iodasunmu decided, hey, I'm gonna score a whole shitload of points. Um and yeah, Trace Jackson Davis is really kind of the only thing that you can point to as a as a you know, someone whose role is definite here. Um but you know what else is an interesting big man role is uh Do you know who played the giant in the Iron Giant? Vin Diesel.
2: (laughs) Clearly preparing him for his uh, role as Groot then. (laughs) Yeah. And that was back when he was making like those triple X movies and stuff too. Quite an interesting departure. (laughs) Okay. So elsewhere in the stock down section, maybe this isn't fair because I at least placed their stock as quite low before the season anyway, Um, But Maryland, so this whole not and, you know, our Terrapin colleague, DJ, has been on top of this take from the beginning, which is it doesn't look like they really anticipated departures of Anthony Cowan or Jalen Smith in terms of a recruiting situation, which is weird in Cowan's case because he was a senior last year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, at the same time, that does seem something like something that's in character for Mark Turgeon to just kind of forget about. Yeah, which is,
2: you know, difficult to understand. And Look, they pulled off a surprising win against Wisconsin, which I believe is their only win in conference to date. But aside from that, you know, they, 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 they're losing Daryl Morsell for about a month because of an elbow he – well, he placed his face in the way of Hunter Dickinson's elbow, according to Dan Dockich. Um, well, you're correct. They are one and four in the Big Ten. Yeah, so their only wins over Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> Daryl Morsell was their only senior he's out for a month now and they're really getting virtually nothing from their freshmen either so the list of names that you can rely on as contributors is getting pretty short here and their scoring is balanced but do you get enough from Eric Ayala Aaron Wiggins um, and Dante Scott to cover for the fact that you don't have much depth I mean the Hamilton the Boston College transfer has been helpful for them but they don't have a true reliable option at the five nor do they really have a traditional point guard. I all is more of a combo guy, and it shows at times. Their, their offense looks really clunky, and I don't know what they expected. Um, although, as we mentioned earlier, we may not have been recording at the time.
0: Anyway, Nebraska is also in the Big Ten.
1: Much to, Alleg- the-, <laughs> <Allegedly>. <laughs> Much to
0: the chagrin of Nebraska. I believe it's Wednesday the sixth. I believe that there's some big demonstration at the Capitol about that tonight.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Nebraska's membership was was a steal, and we got to stop the steal at some point. Stop the steal. <laughs> Nebraska is one of two winless teams in the conference at this point, and uh, it 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 doesn't look good, man. Um, it, it's not like they. We're tearing it up in the non conference either. They only went four and three there. Um, They've got, they've clearly got some talented individual players, uh, but it just like they don't have the look of a team right now, which is to be expected because this is, you know, they've been playing together for like a month and a half in terms of game competition at least. And you've got all these guys coming from different sources. There's going to be some turbulence. I understand that this is a feature, not a bug of the develop of the model that Hoiberg uses in his eyes, but he, what is the plan here? Again, you know, like you've got these guys, they come, some of them are good. None of them stayed, none of them fit together. I don't know how you climb out of the basement of a very good conference. Again, Michigan state's two and three in the conference right now, and they're still ranked 23rd. So.
0: Uh, blow it again, blow it up. Try it again every year until you just happen to stick all the right shit together.
2: I, well, I don't think the model is to blow it up. They've got to find the anchor players that Hoiberg would have at Iowa State, and use those guys. But they haven't found those guys yet. And if, if everyone keeps transferring out, they're never going to. And then I don't know how you. I don't know how you get any familiarity with the system they run. on. Um, and again, this this league is not getting easier, right? You know, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ranked teams at the moment. And even teams that aren't ranked, like Ohio State's not an easy game. Northwestern's not a gimme anymore. Um, I don't know where the wins come from in your schedule if you don't get dramatically better pretty quickly. And similar thing could be said, I think, for Penn State, where it's a, it's kind of an understandable situation because they
1: have the surprise new coach thing going on. I mean, you look at the roster, and it's – I think at this point, it's just kind of a get through this season and hope that eventually, you know, uh, Hoiberg figures out who his, you know, like you said, who those kind of stability pieces are going forwards. And I, I've, I've been moderately impressed with Delano Banton. It's he, I mean, he seems like a guy who in any given night could go off for a triple-double because he's, you know, he's six foot nine playing the point guard. That's yeah. You know, I think that's a guy I don't Teddy Allen's shooting the ball like 15 times a game. I think the, the stat that I saw was it, it you get some of those volume chuckers in, I think short term so that you can look competitive in games. Um, and and <clears throat> on the whole, it just feels like a kind of, you know, ride this season out, you know, you'll, they'll catch a couple teams, you know, or maybe one team napping. It'll probably be Northwestern. I'll drink heavily and forget about it. And at this point, it's just kind of a move on, you know, move on from yeah. this season
2: kind of thing. Well, you know i believe they're gonna have banton and mcgowan's back next year and then mcgowan's younger brother comes in i think he's like a five-star recruit so they mm-hmm. could have a nucleus going there um they still really need a lot of work in the front court there doesn't seem to be an easy or ready-made solution for that um and then again the other the other program that we wondered about was penn state because last year they had kind of this breakthrough season. And you thought that, okay, so yes, Lamar Stevens is leaving and he's clearly the centerpiece of this. But you saw enough from the supporting guys at times, you know, Isaiah Brockington and um, Myron Jones, that you they got a big improvement out of John Hera. You think maybe they can put it together. <clears throat> and I know that our Penn State friend, Aaron, was certainly of the opinion, I think still is, that Seth Lundy is every bit the player, well, maybe he hasn't said this, but that basically they wouldn't miss a whole lot from Lamar Stevens leading because Seth Lundy was going to be that guy and he scores a little bit but they're not the same team with him in Lamar Stevens position they just aren't and I don't know maybe Pat Chambers had plans with him that have not come to fruition because Chambers ain't there no more but this is another team where you kind of scratch your head and you wonder all right so like
1: what's the way forward here well the the way forward for them is to get somebody inside it's uh, they're one of the worst teams in the, in, in the conference. I think the worst in terms of getting defensive rebounds per game, uh, you know, John Harer, who I think is all of six, nine it, local, you know, local-ish kid, but just isn't the, isn't the answer. They, I think they have some, you know, next year they could be terrifying with Jones and Brockington and dread and Sesam's all being seniors next year. Um, they could be good, but they're, I don't think they have a guy over six, nine on this roster and, and just, they don't, they're not a big team. They don't lock down defensively. It's, I think this is just kind of a lost year for Penn, Penn State basketball that, um, you know, you just, they're going to need to find time to develop, you know, and whether it's Jim Ferry or anybody else going forward, they're going to need time to develop a, a defensive identity and some sort of presence, you know, inside, or, you know, beyond just brocking, beyond those big names doing the scoring. I will tell you though, as far as the front court goes, How about this for an all-name entry when you've got Hera
2: (laughs) (laughs) Butt-trick?
0: Yeah, Butt-trick. Yeah, we're
2: we're a bunch of children here, but if you listen to us, you probably knew that. So, all right, that kind of covers our stock up, stock down. That part always takes a really long time. What we'll do now is go through about the next week and a half of games that I found interesting. I'll pitch them to each of you in succession. You tell me if you're interested or not. Tonight in about 40 minutes actually from right this moment, we have the early season marquee for the pole position in the league that we all predicted in the offseason, Michigan and Minnesota. Exactly as we all predicted. <laughs> you're, you're tuning in. We've got Liam Robbins versus Hunter Dickinson. We've got Marcus Carr going up against the transfer backcourt for the Wolverines. What do you do, What do you say? It's either this or watch the revolution.
1: I'm curious to see Robbins against Dickinson. I think that's really the exciting kind of matchup for me. Um, yeah. I think Michigan wins. I think there's something like eight-point favorites, and I think that's probably about right. They have the the consistency, I think, that that you don't see out of Minnesota. But but then again, I think there's still questions about, is Michigan really the 10th-ranked team in the country? So so time will tell. But it's, I think it's a good game and one that, you know, in, t- in between, um, you know, butt-chugging Scotch at this point and, uh, you know, doing literally anything else it might just have to be a nice distraction tonight
2: and you know if this turns out to be a good game or even if it's not the good news is they get we get the rematch in just eight or ten days i'm sorry they play in on the 16th so if this turns out to be a very competitive game we might get the loser able to come back and uh and exact some revenge in short order minnesota might
1: yep
0: uh, say there mnw you want to know what's an interesting thing about the uh, Thursday, the seventh matchup, Illinois Northwestern is that Jacob Grandison has been getting more minutes this year than I expected him to. And the reason I thought you'd find that interesting is because he was coached by Bill Carmody.
1: Oh, uh, I forgot the Grandison transfer from Holy Cross to say uh, Illinois. Yep. It's, it almost makes me want to root for him. And I do root against Holy Cross in every single game that they play because they made, you know, a terrible decision in, in jettisoning the greatest basketball coach known to mankind.
0: Well, you can root for him and root against Illinois because he's probably not going to be on the floor for a whole hell of a lot of the game. But uh...
1: <laughs> there's
2: a pretty solid chance. In fact, I'd say it's almost assured <clears throat> that grandison's going to be the last Bill Carmody player to ever play in the Big Ten, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks good at this point. Yep.
0: Yes, yeah, so I think I think he. I mean, he definitely has another year because of the frozen eligibility thing. And then I want to say he's has another year after that.
1: I so, think it's junior. Yeah.
0: I don't know. We'll, we'll see it during, um, what I like to refer to as the, the the shorthanded thing. Like I noticed that Andre Curbelo really makes the Illinois offense kind of go. He's, I, I, I sort of said that I thought he had more upside as a distributor than I had to assume move, And he's really been like, even when he's not done the smartest things, it's always things that like get people. It's almost like it gets people more, uh, prepared to receive passes whenever the hell because he can hit anybody at any time. But, uh, (laughs) but basically when he's, when he's not on the, when he's on the floor, it's an Illinois power play. Um, He doesn't start games because Brad Underwood likes to leave a player that he should start on the bench for some reason. Hopefully he doesn't transfer to Syracuse like Alan Griffin, (laughs) but yeah, uh, basically um, Illinois is going to start like short a man And then four minutes in, Illinois power play.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, what you're describing is just four minutes in, Illinois is back to even strength, like your major penalty expires. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, (laughs) So basically without Curbelo, it's the penalty kill unit. So Grandison is part of the penalty kill unit.
2: (laughs) Um, Friday, the only game on the schedule. And the conference actually has a couple of Fridays in a row where that's the case. Purdue versus Michigan State, not that either of these teams is necessarily in the title race at this point, but it's an opportunity for either of them to make a statement on whether they're going to crawl into the middle class or not. Um, Loser of this game is in pretty rough position. MSU, even the last couple of years, despite I think being the considerably better team, has had a really hard time with Purdue. So I don't know if that's just something about this particular combination of players or if it's going to change this year. It could be more interesting than it looks on paper. That's all I'm saying.
1: Uh, we've seen some weaknesses from Michigan State inside too. I think Edie and, yeah. and Williams will present a really unique challenge for Michigan State. It's it's can uh, can the Spartans go bombs away at home? It's it's at Breslin, and uh, you know that'll be a good one.
2: That helps. And I honestly, the, the one thing, even though I expect because of what you're saying that we're probably going to lose the game, I can't help but wonder if if it's not going to give Izzo any. Uh, Any option but to play Mati Sissoko and Julius Marble a little more because you try to put six foot eight Thomas Kith here, he's gonna give up 20 and foul out in the first 10 minutes. So, um, I mean, not that that stopped Izzo from playing in big minutes before. I mean, Liam Robbins ate the guy's lunch and he still played probably 14 minutes in the first half against Minnesota. So, hopefully, Izzo opts to juggle things up a little bit with the front court there. I guess we'll see. Saturday. Mm -hmm. We've got the rematch of Michigan and Penn State, which you know, despite Penn State being winless in the conference and they've had a couple games canceled. So, first of all, I guess we got to point out that's assuming that Penn
1: State's able to play by that. That one's already showing up as postponed on my schedule. Oh, is it? Okay,
2: so I haven't updated this since yesterday. So, never mind. We'll just move right along here.
1: Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, and we're not talking Ohio State, Rutgers, yeah. So, move on. Nah.
2: So we got, we got a triple header on Sunday in which the Big Ten, as always, prescient with the scheduling, put the big event in the big time slot, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, (laughs) where we got (laughs) Minnesota and Iowa, two of the better teams in the conference, playing in the middle of the afternoon, so that in prime time, we can watch Illinois just pound Maryland into shards of turtle shell.
0: Well, you say that, but usually – these games do in, between Illinois and Maryland do involve a little bit of a, of a chess match between Brad Underwood and Mark Turgeon regarding who can do the stupidest thing at the end of saying, the game. When
2: yeah. you say chess match, you mean who can stick a chess piece into which orifice the furthest? Like kind <laughs> Basically. Of what yeah. Doing. It's,
0: it's, it's, it's being presented as a chess match, but it's really just like trying to place the correct shape pieces into the correct shape holes. <laughs> but they're staring at these pieces and mulling their choices over as just if it's sta- a televised chess match.
2: Yeah, just staring at it with Bobby Fisher intensity like, yes, I am gonna bench this guy.
0: <laughs> right now. yes no, 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 no. I don't need to call my timeout now. There's 17 seconds to go.
2: <laughs> so again, like you say that. But keep in mind, those last couple chess matches, um, there's been, you know. <laughs> Like in terms of chess pieces, Jalen Smith was a was a queen. Anthony Cowan was at least a rook, if not like another queen that you got to pawn all the way across the board for. So he doesn't have either of those pieces. I think he's going to find it a
0: little bit more difficult. Um, letting the clock run down from seventeen seconds, down one, and then calling the timeout between Maryland foul shots.
2: Run the play on passant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, moving on to the next week, we have the Team Meteor Classic on January 12th, Wisconsin at Michigan. I don't want to talk about it. I don't really want to watch it either. Nope, um, moving on. Good game, though.
1: ESPN, I bet Dockage will be on the call, too, so now you really don't have to watch. Oh, yeah, that'll be uh,
2: that'll be a night to – oh, you know what? we got to take the Christmas tree down sooner or later. We'll go ahead and <laughs> write that in Sharpie for January 14th. The next night, we've, or I'm sorry, yeah, no, on the 12th is that game. On the 14th, we have round one of Indiana Purdue. Maybe one or the other will look decent by then. And then we'll find out, regardless of the outcome of the Purdue game this Friday, we'll find out if MSU has turned a corner or not when they play Iowa. I think the most likely outcome is Iowa scores 100 points. Then a slight contrast from that game the next day. (laughs)
1: We have Wisconsin and Rutgers in the race to 50. Jesus. Given what they just did against Michigan State, 50 might be generous with Rutgers. They can't they oh. can't
2: help what they can't help but be better. So like the thing is, I know, and again, that game yesterday is not gonna help this perception. Rutgers is still a truly atrocious foul shooting team. And I like Miles Johnson as a player generally, but he is straight up Ben Wallace at this point. Like down to the fact that he's got big hair and is excellent defensively. And there's like a 30% free <laughs> shooter. Like, it's just, it's inexcusable. And I, I get that some guys are just bad at it and they never get better. And I'm sure he's trying really hard. He's supposed to be a very smart kid. Um, it's just, it's, it's a problem for them. And I opined during the game last night on Slack, not that anybody was discussing the game with me, um, that if the game was tight down the stretch, I would heartily endorse the hack of miles Johnson strategy because it would have been viable. Um, but look, Rutgers, as they were saying in the game last night with some incredulity as they missed shot after shot, Rutgers is actually shooting 44% from three as a team this year before yesterday. Um, so I think this game's gonna be a little bit more appealing than we think. Probably still gonna be in the 50s or well sixties, but it might not be quite as unwatchable as it seems on paper.
1: Yeah, it's just not as fun to be critical of the game then, if that's the case. And it's God knows these are two teams, Wisconsin Rutgers, that both benefit from or appear to benefit at the very least from, you know, when the game is on their home court, you're allowed to, you know, grab, kind of do as you will, hook, yeah. hump, you know, whatever you want with impunity. And uh, it just, it could be, though, like you say, given that both teams do shoot well from outside if they're able to run their offenses and get their looks, um, you know, it, it could wind up being an 80 to 78 kind of game where both teams shoot, you know, 40% or better from three um it it just very much the easier thing is to default to the fact that no they're still the same shitty programs they've always been
2: yeah and then to wrap up our look forward next saturday we've got um, a triple header with a couple of intriguing games ohio state at illinois we've got the michigan minnesota rematch earlier and then if you get into some really weird shit we're not here to judge you for that but nebraska maryland is again, in there with these other games, so...
1: Just please seek help. By all means, go wild. Yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't do any of that. Just find something better to do, please. Your
0: source for big game It's off tackle empire.